Let me ask you to open your Bibles today to the Old Testament book of Malachi. We're continuing our study in this series that we are calling Namesake. And over and over again in this book of the Old Testament, we see God continuing to call our attention to his great name. And as you're finding your place in Malachi, let me mention to those of you that are watching online today that this is a Sunday that we are voting to affirm new members of our church leadership team. The spiritual direction of our church, the spiritual leadership of our church is carried out through our church leadership team that involves six men that serve our church uh, that are members here and have served as deacons and they meet the qualifications set forth for that position uh, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and it's also composed of our pastor um, that's me and our executive pastor so there's that team of people uh, we elect uh, new members each year they serve a three-year term and this year uh, Jason Matthews is being recommended to our church to serve on that team and Ralph Moore is being presented to you to also serve on that team. Uh, when a person uh, serves on the CLT they can serve for three years and they can also serve another three years and so Ralph has done that and he is being uh, uh, recommended again and Jason Matthews would be a new recommendation. You can go to the address that's on the screen currently to uh, place your vote. We ask that that be only members of our church that would do that and we'll receive that vote. Uh, or you can go if you, uh, that, that address is watkinsville.org slash CLT. I want to say also that for the past three years Bob Bishop has served on the church leadership team and he has served as a man full of wisdom full of the Holy Spirit full of faith he has served not only on the team but he has served as chairman of the team and I just I want to say publicly how much uh, I appreciate his leadership his encouragement uh, the way that he's prayed for me prayed for our church encouraged our staff and uh, he's come to a uh, 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 close on his service and believes that there are ways that God wants to use him in the life of our church now in a different way than being on the church leadership team so we're releasing him uh, from that team after completing this first three-year term and therefore we're uh, recommending Ralph to serve again and Jason Matthews to serve so um, that would like for you to take time to make your vote as a church member today. Those on property will be voting also in person on this 24th, uh, on the 24th here of January. Now, I want to pray for us before we get into our study of Malachi. Father, I bow before you right now and I ask for your help. I pray first, uh, Lord, for our church as we affirm those that would serve on the church leadership team. We pray, Lord, that those serving would live a life in reverence of you, that they would walk full of the Holy Spirit, 
that they would walk full of faith. You'd protect their hearts and their minds and their souls and their families, Lord, from the schemes of the enemy. And Lord, we ask you to continue to keep your hand on our church, those who are uh, leading like the church leadership team. Lord, uh, we pray that all of us together would stay in step with the Spirit and you would do through us, Lord, what could only be explained by your hand. We submit ourselves to your headship, to your leadership, King Jesus, and we want to honor you. And uh, we pray that we'd continue to see souls saved and lives changed and your kingdom advance and your name be great through our witness. And as we open our Bibles here to Malachi today, would you use this word, Lord, to continue to shape us in that way, to make us, Lord, into people that stand in awe of you, that reverence you, that honor you, Lord, not just with our words, but also with our lives. And uh, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I mentioned to you the name Michael Jordan. Uh, there are probably two things that come to mind immediately. We think basketball and we think Nike. Uh, Michael Jordan uh, represents Nike. He wears Nike. He promotes Nike. It's hard to think of the Nike Corporation without thinking of Air Jordan, without thinking of Michael Jordan. It's estimated by Forbes that in just the year 2019 that Michael Jordan earned $190 million from his endorsement of Nike. Imagine that. To represent them, promote them, lend his name to them, to wear their product, uh, $190 million. Now imagine if tapes uh, surfaced today with his voice, with a recording of his words expressing his love for New Balance running shoes and Adidas apparel and what would happen out there getting paid 190 million dollars but privately it becomes known that he loves New Balance and he wears Adidas now no doubt there would be swift and severe action by Nike uh, there would be legal maneuvering to say the least there would be contract talks and a public response of how uh, to deal with this uh, relationship that he had with Nike. Uh, there would be a public response. Uh, there would be those who would say, apparently this was just a, a fake relationship. And we would be tempted to say that Michael Jordan... Um, had a relationship with Nike that was more about taking it to the bank than taking it to heart. Well, I think of that imaginary story when I read the book of Malachi because 
the spiritual influencers of the day, the priest, they were in a contract. The, the biblical word is they were in a covenant with God. They were God's people. They were repping God. They were influencing for God. They were the, uh, they were the representation before the people of all that God was. They were to bear his name. They were to lead people to love the Lord and respect the Lord and honor the Lord. We come to Malachi chapter 2 and we find out that they were not taking this relationship to heart. It might be something that they had in position. It might be something that they had in a covenant, but it was not something that was flowing from their heart. And we have in chapter 2 of Malachi extreme words, severe words. Last week when we looked at Malachi chapter 1, we saw that their standard of giving was less than their best. And because their standard of giving was less than their best, it demonstrated a, a lack of reverence for God's great name. This week, it's not about our standard of giving. It's about our standard of living. And last week, we saw that their standard of giving was less than their best. And in Malachi chapter 2, we see that the priest standard of living was less than expected less than expected by the people less than expected by God who had formed this covenant with them you see when we don't offer our best in worship we won't live our best in reverence let me say that again. When we don't offer our best in worship, we won't, we won't live our best in reverence. There is a connection be, between uh, how we worship and how we live. And they, they, they weave together. And we go from chapter 1 with God talking about the sacrifices and the worship practices that the priest allowed to chapter 2 where we see how their, their, their words and their actions and their lives also were less than what God expected. And when we talk about priests, there's no doubt that here we're talking about the spiritual leaders of their day, the, the, the spiritual influencers. And there is a strong, strong message here to those who unquestionably find themselves in roles of spiritual leadership. Already this morning I spoke uh, briefly there about our church leadership team for our church. They serve in a position of leadership for our church family. As your pastor standing before you, I, I serve in a role of spiritual influence and a role of spiritual leadership in our church it matters how I lead you to worship and it also matters how I live personally my life 
And God is speaking there to those who are spiritual leaders among the people. But it goes broader than that. And so don't check out here early in this message. We all in some circle that bear the name of Jesus Christ have some spiritual influence on others. A big brother can have a spiritual influence on his younger sister. A parent may have a spiritual influence on their children. Uh, children may actually have spiritual influence on their parents. A worker can have an influence on those that work around them. And a Sunday school teacher will have an influence over their class. And a small group leader will have influence over uh, someone else. We are constantly around people who influence us. This week I sat with a, a friend and we were uh, ordering a meal at a restaurant and we were eating seafood and I was looking and my normal would be to order a seafood platter all fried and I have been working to try to avoid some things that would help me manage uh, my uh, weight and uh, he ordered first and I was eyeing that fried seafood platter and when he ordered he said I want the seafood platter and I was like amen amen in, in my heart and mind I was just thinking that and he said and I want it all grilled and and in my mind I thought oh and, and when it came to me I ordered an all grilled seafood platter and it's funny I've, I've bragged about that to my wife I've, I, I, I'm proud of that but I gotta tell you I was influenced by the guy sitting right beside me now a, a simple illustration to remind us of something much more serious and that is in our lives we have influence spiritual influence on others and God is driving hard at our lives and how we live and how we might influence others for his name let's look at the text and I want you to see his call to repentance to spiritual leaders of this day. He says in verse 1, chapter 2, And now, O priest, this command is for you. He gets their attention. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Lay what to heart? Honoring God. Verse 3, Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 5, my covenant with him, talking about priest Levi, my covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear 
and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people. Inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. First question, how are they showing dishonor? How are the priests showing dishonor? A few ways jump out here in these nine verses. One was a lack of awe. When you work through, you see positive statements about how there had been this covenant with Levi and Levi served God with awe and reverence. And, it, and it's a theme that works its way through these nine verses that what God was rebuking the priest were, uh, what God was rebuking the priest for was their lack of reverence, their lack of fear of who God was. They did not revere his name. And when you see the word fear here in the Old Testament, it carries with it a sense of awe, a sense of respect, a sense of honor. Yes, there's a relationship, but there is not so much, a, it, it's not just a comfy, good old guy, big man upstairs kind of relationship. It was one of respect and awe and reverence. But they were living lives where there was the absence of all, A-W-E. They were also showing dishonor, it seems, because of false teaching. He says in verse 5, he made a covenant with, with Levi, and he shows this is how he uh, carried out uh, the, the covenant. This is how he lived, and he commends Levi for there being true teaching on his lips, a true teaching in his mouth, which leads us to believe that God's rebuke of the priest in this day was that they were not holding to the truth, and they also were not guarding the truth. There was a, a lack of concern about God's law and God's word being taught to the people presented to the people. They were showing dishonor of God because they had become um, a, a, they were not providing instruction. One of the things that they were to do was to be living a life in such a way that people would go to them for knowledge, go to them for instruction. You see it in verse 7, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth. Why? Because he is a messenger of the Lord of hosts. See, the role of a spiritual influencer is to be a messenger of God's name. Our lives as spiritual leaders and spiritual influencers of people around us is to be a source of instruction, to be a, a guard of knowledge, to be messengers of who God is. In verse 8, we see that they were showing dishonor 
of God by corrupting the covenant that he had made. Verse 8, he says, but you have turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. He says, this agreement that we had made. In some ways, this contract that we were in, this relationship that we were in, you have violated the covenant by the way you're living and the way you're handling the truth. And last, he says, you do not keep my ways, but you show partiality in your instruction. This was a picture that when they did teach, when they did speak God's law, that their message was affected by who was listening. And it's a theme that runs both Old Testament and New Testament, how, how God is no respecter of persons. And even in the New Testament, James speaks of the sin of partiality. And here you find it in the Old Testament where the priests were showing partiality. Perhaps they would excuse those that they wanted favor with, they would try not to offend those they wanted favor with, and it affected their message. And this is how they were showing dishonor. What was the fruit of this dishonor? Well, God shows the fruit of this dishonor would result in severe actions from his hand. In verse 2, there's this big if, if you will not listen. And then again, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, then I will sin. It's if, then. And what was it? He says, if you will not take honoring my name to heart, I will send a curse upon you. Now, to send a curse upon them would mean that they would lose God's favor. Uh, it, it, would, it, it means that hard things would come their way. It means that they would be separated from God. There would be a curse upon them. And then he says, I, and it goes further, not just a curse upon the priests themselves, but he says, I will curse your blessings. It seems that what God was saying that when you look around in your life and you might say, if we live this way, my future would have a curse on it. But he says, even what you would call good, even what you would call blessings in your life, now they will be blessed. So not only will your future be cursed, but the things that you call good now will be cursed. And it goes a step further. And, I'm, and, I, and, and don't let this, don't let just this sermon hide the severity of the impact of dishonoring God's name. He goes on, he says, well, there will be a curse upon your offspring. He says, then I will send... I will send a curse upon you. I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. And then verse 3, behold, I will rebuke your offspring. And it's a reminder to us that in our relationship with God, that we are not islands to ourselves, And the sin of our lives, the sin of our hearts affect us. And it affects 
others around us. There must be a way to, is there a way, is there, is there a way that God work in this? And he goes on, he, he doesn't let up here, he keeps showing them, if you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, you will be cursed, your blessings will be cursed, there will be a rebuke on your offspring. And then notice this most dramatic of illustrations here. He says in verse 3, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. Well, how do we explain that? Well, I don't have to educate you on what the word dung means. It this reference to waste. But there's a picture here of temple sacrifice. And when they would bring the animals to be sacrificed, the entrails would be removed. Their intestines would be removed. The, the carrier of dung it would be removed. It was considered unclean. And the entrails of those sacrifices would be taken out of the temple and carried outside the temple, carried beyond, away, and burned, done away with. And it was a it was a reverent it was a reverence thing. It was a respect thing. It was a holiness thing. And listen to what God says when the priest would not honor his name. He's like, I will take the most despised thing of your offerings. And I will smear it on your faces. Now, when I talk about this out loud because it's here, but also for us to hear how serious God is about those who bear his name honoring his name. It is no small thing. For us to dishonor the name of the Lord in the way we live. He says, I will spread dung on your faces and you will be taken away with it. He, it's, we'll be separated if then. There was a great impact on their lives as spiritual leaders if they did not live from their heart in reverence of God. Can we pause just, just long enough? You, maybe you're sitting with children. Maybe you're watching alone or listening alone. Maybe you're driving. Perhaps the Spirit of God would just work a work of grace, which would be conviction in our hearts about God's view of dishonoring his name. It's a severe impact on our own lives. But there's also a reaction of God here in how it impacts others. You see that the fruit of their dishonor would be is that people would not have anyone to tell them the truth. 
there would be no one to tell them the truth. He says in verse 6 about Levi, for a priest, he says, true instruction was in his mouth. And then verse 7, the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth. And God is saying, if we don't have the spiritual leaders to tell people what the truth is, they will, they will perish. They will be harmed. In fact, this, the second thing here that happens in the lives of others, not only will they not know the truth, but he says, you have caused many to stumble by your instruction. And what, a, what a, a critical reminder for us that as we live lives that influence spiritually, that, are, that bear the name of Christ, bear the name of our God, that our lives as spiritual leaders can cause those who look to us to stumble, to be affected in their own relationship with the Lord. And we see this play out too many times when there is public compromise by those who bear the name of Christ, how it's never just that one person that's affected, but the ripple effect of sin just reverberates on and on and on into the lives of others who are, have the spiritual wind taken out of them because of our spiritual compromise. The fruit of Dishonoring God by spiritual leaders is a bitter fruit. Matthew Henry said, Nothing profanes the name of God more than the misconduct of those whose business it is to do honor to it. Let me say that again. Nothing profanes the name of God more than the misconduct of those whose business it is to do honor to it. Whatever circle of influence we find ourselves in, it is our business to honor God's name. When we don't, when we live a life that does not represent a life of truth, represent a, a, a life of respect and reverence for God we show a despising of God's name a profaning of God's name when I finished doctoral work at Gordon Conwell I had the privilege of being taught for a a season by Haddon Robinson. He was a well-known professor and in particular just a, just a deep walk with the Lord. And he had spoken at dozens and dozens of graduations, but he was, his health and his position at the time was, did not have him give the key address at graduation that I was a part of in 2012. But they did bring him up to offer prayer. And just before he prayed, he said to the group of graduates there in that room in Boston, he said, I challenge you today. And it's these brief words. He said, preach the word. 
I love God's people. And then he gave this last statement. And do the church no harm. Do the church no harm. And I, I, that phrase was verbatim from his mouth. And, it, and I just, I, I remember very little the rest of the gathering. And that phrase has stuck with my heart since 2012. Do the church no harm. What he was saying to us as graduates is we would go forth preaching the word to let our message of tr be a message of truth from God's word and let our life be exemplary and make sure that in our teaching and in our living that we would not defame the bride of Christ. Do the church no harm. And I believe that is a, the passion of the prophet Malachi here where he is saying to us in our life when we bear the name of Christ that we are to do no harm to the name of God. So how do we live to honor the Lord? We listen to him. We love him. We stand in awe of him. Like Levi, we commit to the truth. Like the, the, the covenant with the Levi here, he, he's this, this priest, we commit to the truth. We walk in integrity. We guard the truth. Is the, are these characteristics of your life as a dad? Are these characteristics of your life as a teenager that bears the name of Christ, an influencer in your school? Are these the characteristics of your life as a pastor, as a leader in our church, as a, a small group leader or a servant here? Do we, are we listeners to God? Are we lovers of God? Do we stand in awe of God? Do we, are we committed to the truth? Do we walk in integrity? Do we guard the truth? Have we taken it to heart? His great name. And we must ask the Spirit of God today to allow our knowledge of God in our head to move it to our heart that it would be lived out in our hands and our feet and our mouth. You see, the the message of Malachi 2, verse 1 through 9, can be, can be summarized really in three words. God was saying to the priest these three words, reverence or severance. It was reverence or severance. God said to the priest, this is how serious it was. God said, revere my name, honor my name, or you will be taken away. Now listen, he says, my covenant will stand. He says, my covenant will stand. It was God's call of repentance to the spiritual leaders of this day. He says, my covenant, he says, that my covenant with Levi may stand. Now, for us today, where does that leave us? 
What, what, what would God say to us today? Well, it would be one thing, this. We are not under an old covenant of law. There is not a priest that we need to confess our sins to that would in some way stand in the gap between us and God year after year after year. But maybe this is new to you or maybe this is a reminder to most of you. We do have a great high priest that who that lived a sinless life and he endured the cross to pay for our sin once and for all. And Jesus said when he took the cup that night, he, he said, you take this cup and you drink it as the new covenant in my blood. We're in a new covenant. And this new covenant we have is through a great high priest. So our hope, our joy, actually our peace and our life comes through him. You say, oh, then I'm off the hook. I can live any way I want to. I don't think we'll ever say that if we have taken it to heart who he is. I think what God is wanting to do so far in my heart through Malachi and I believe in the heart of our church is that he is calling us to a revival of all. over who he is. A revival of reverence over who he is. That our worship would be worth something. And our lives would show something. Our lives would show our reverence for God. A couple of years ago, our family were in the mountains of North Carolina. And we were going to do some hiking. And we were hiking into the woods just around um, Sapphire, North Carolina. And we were headed toward... Um, a, a horse is called Horse Pasture, Horse Pasture River, Rainbow Falls. And when we were going to be hiking there, some people had said to us, "Be careful! The falls are beautiful, but they're dangerous." And and we got there and we made the hike, and sure enough, this this waterfall was roaring with water, and the sun was shining, and just the 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 roar of the water, the spray of the, of the falls, it was breathtaking. And there was one particular area where you could go to the edge of the falls and stand on rocks and look off into the ravine. It was breathtaking. 
And the kids would stepped out onto these rocks and they were moving closer and closer to the edge. And as they moved closer and closer to the edge, taking pictures, I know that they wanted the Instagram shot. The closer they got to the edge, the more my heart raced and the more I began to speak and say, come back, come back, you're close enough. And the reason was is that I had read several articles before we hiked that trail of people who had died at that very spot. In fact, just, uh, the, just the week before, there had been a, a girl that had fallen from the edge of that waterfall 160 feet into the ravine and lost her life. You see, those, those falls were beautiful. They were breathtaking. and You wanted to engage them and experience them. But at the same time that you appreciated how beautiful they were, you realized that you also had to respect them and stand in reverence of them because just as beautiful they were also mighty dangerous somehow some way there's a balance that God wants us to know where he's beautiful and we have a relationship with him but we dare not lose our respect for him and our reverence for him. And the only thing I know to do is to turn to the Spirit of God and say, God, help us. God, convict us where our lives dishonor you. And help us to turn toward you in the way we live that you may be honored and that others may know you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in homes, in cars, wherever this message may be heard, that your spirit would convict and encourage let us be encouraged by your grace that would call us to honor you before you, Lord, would just let us go. I pray your Holy Spirit would convict and do a fresh work of revival. Do a fresh work of reverence in our hearts and lives. Let us as spiritual influencers. As a priesthood of believers even. Live lives. Of, live lives that honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.